whatever. And I'm a busy guy and I don't see why I need to cry. Um, <laughs> I, I'm happy. I'm happy not crying. I feel special not crying that much, to be honest. What do you got, Charlie? Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Charlie Carroll, and I am not being introduced by Jungle because he fumbled the ball 16 times. Uh, my, my poker story is that I turned $50, and I ran the numbers, and I think I made around $10 million net profit, but that's for my investors and me included. So, you know, do with that information what you will. Uh, I like to dedicate myself towards doing as much good in the world as possible because I think that that is the best way to be selfish, is to be selfless. I think that the idea of being selfish but not selfless is outdated, is anachronistic and dumb. And around five years ago, I, I stepped away from poker maybe like 90%, and I stopped playing. I was at the peak of my career. I was on an unreal upswing, and I decided to dedicate myself towards the spiritual path and the philanthropic path and the business path because I felt like that was the way I could do the most good in the world. share that idea of um, selfish the ultimate self the ultimate conclusion of selfishness is in fact selflessness uh, at least philosophically that makes sense it's hard to really you know work that out and the actual uh, scheme of things but we'll get into that a little bit and I'd also like to mention that Charlie has a bunch of unique life experiences as well as ways of dealing with things um, he definitely does some controversial things uh, such as, well, we'll get into a couple. Uh, um, he's got, name, he's got a couple on uh, COVID and the other one, <laughs> LG, uh, you LGBT. Know, I always fuck up are we going that direction? LGBT. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about <laughs> it a little bit just for the hell of it, but whatever. Let's talk about some poker first because we're getting a little off topic. All right. So Charlie, uh, tell us a bit about your poker career that you made over $10 million in or $12 million in especially while you're not really using sims or anything like that tell us about this path because most people just have to rely on sims these days and uh seems like you're a little bit of prodigy in um, yeah I, I, and it's worth noting i came i started playing 10 years ago and 10 years ago everyone was telling me how tough poker was in comparison to the years before they're like there's no way you can go from zero zero to hero there's no way you can go from racks to riches those days are done and I took that as a personal challenge and I never had any coaching. I never watched much like training apart from I did watch the grips bankroll challenge. And that's what kind of inspired me to make my own bankroll challenge. Cause I just watched that mother over and over and over and over again. Which one? Uh, the, there's a guy called Evan Jarvis, shout out to the OG grips. And he did a bankroll challenge from $50 to $10,000. And I remember watching it and I would watch an episode every couple of hours whilst I was grinding. And it would just be so helpful for me to see all of those like small decisions and hear his thought process. And that that's the only thing that kind of like helped me form my idea of range analysis. Other than that, my whole career was trial and error. And I really believe that if somebody wants to learn something truly and fully, they can't just be told what to do. They have to embody that, that, that knowledge by actually doing it themselves. You know, in the same in the same way as a spiritual journey, you can't you you know you can be told that we're all one, but you don't really fully believe it until you go and in deep into meditation or you blast yourself with some DMT or whatever you want to do. 
And in poker, if you ain't if you ain't finding those like three X pot bluff shove punts that are just terrible burning money in the early stages of your career, because the solver tells you not to, you're not going to understand why that doesn't work and why maybe some of them are actually genius. And so a lot of my career, I just, you know, I was, I was in groups, I was in like Skype groups and I'd always be posting hands. I'd probably post like 30 hands a day to other people being like, what do you think of this creative line? What do you think of that creative line? And that is just the way that I, that I learned. And this is actually what I've now manufactured for my community as well. Just like always trying to think of creative ways. And as a funny thing that I've noticed is like whenever I put out a challenge for Twitch or something like that, um, or for YouTube, the pools that I coach in change dramatically. So when I first started doing like 10 and L zoom on my bankroll challenge, I was like, Oh, everyone's sea betting way too much on these dry boards, try just raising small, and everyone just folds. And then everyone started doing that. So the meta was then to start three betting when they started doing that. And now you can even see like uh, highlights of my students because and I'll play against them without knowing they're my students. And they'll just be min betting uh, spots. They'll be over betting spots in like really weird places that other people don't. And it's because I incentivize and encourage people to be as creative as possible, knowing that sometimes the creativity is going to kick you in the ass, but getting that database of knowledge of what works and what doesn't work. So when you're in the future playing against other people that haven't tried these weird spots, you're the one that's got the reps in and, and they're not. And I, I think that plus live tells was the, the secret to my success. Uh, I think there's a lot of good stuff in there and definitely the um, cultivating the mindset of encouraging creativity, encouraging, well, creativity plus, you know, thinking for your own self is something that I heavily endorse. I do think that specifically creativity by itself without structure is not very good. Um, agree, as far yeah, as, um, from an artistic perspective, it can be interesting, although I don't really... You know, thinking about it, I don't really endorse that that much. I endorse artistic creativity, but not, but preferably with structure um, and purpose, which, you know, actually those kinds of artists inspired me to become a bit of an artist. Yeah, like Picasso uh, and, knew he was going to paint a face. He just didn't know how it was going to look. I guess that makes sense. Um, well, uh, that's another topic. But anyway, yeah, if you're too creative in poker, it can certainly backfire. You want to have some logical framework to work with as well. Um, but absolutely trying new lines and seeing, exploring the possibilities of what might actually be good is an important mindset behind doing lots of things that will yield extra money in the long term, especially if your games are, I guess, GTO wizards, which if they are, why the are you playing that? Um, and uh, yeah, it sounds like uh, you really did work quite a bit, even though it wasn't precise on The Sims. It was just like a different way of doing things. And definitely... Definitely would say there's got to be, there's no real cheating the whole process of like investing the effort from my experience in poker. Um, you have to put in the effort somehow and it has to be the good effort. Like, and, you know, whether it's Sims, whether it's feedback from other players or anything like that, it just seems like you took a more, uh, a route that you just, just for whatever reason, you were stubborn against using the technology. Well, the technology right? didn't actually exist when I first came up. Uh, for the, oh, so for okay. the first like four years, Sims weren't a thing. GTO wasn't a thing. Like people spoke about it, but nobody knew how to implement it even slightly. Um, and so, yeah, I worked. I worked harder than anybody else in, in my Skype groups. I worked harder than anybody else that I knew, but I didn't see it as working. I just loved it. You know, I'd sit down and play for 15 hours. And at the end, I'd be like, well, I'm stopping because I'm tired, but I don't want to stop. Cause I just, I just like, and then I'd be thinking about it as I go to bed. Then I wake up in the morning, take a shower and be thinking about different lines that I could take. 
and that when i'm when i'm in in tune with a certain game that is something that is just it, it's non-stop it just proliferates through my very being I, if i'm playing chess loads i'll think of different opening lines that i or different tactics and it will just be playing in my subconscious without and i think this isn't special to me this is what happens when people are truly dedicated towards something that the there's something about it you you tap into the frequency of the game and your your brain just starts figuring it out even when you're not playing it uh, I've noticed a bit of that going on. I, I do want to say a couple of things here. Um, you mentioned, let's talk about this this idea of being that invested in the game and also the idea of it being like very hard to win or, or whatever, or that sort of thing. Um, so I think that it's really important when you are playing a game to be actually invested in it and want to do it just for the sake of doing it or doing anything you don't want to do it precisely for the end goal for example in poker would be money i mean that's a nice anchor but if all your only incentive is money i mean yeah there's no chance it will be if a miserable existence but money, you might get the money you huh? can't you can't if you're only in it for the money you can't sit there for 15 hours straight and have a good time and you're just gonna play like shit you have to love it you have to really love it well, yeah, but my point is, I mean, this stuff certainly applies to poker, but it also applies to many other things as well. I mean, that gives you a big clue as to what uh, precisely you should be doing, even within the realm of poker, such as tournaments, Palamon Omaha, or whatever it is. Um, I mean, basically, you want to be guided a little bit by what uh, feels right to do, you can say. Um, I mean, this, another way of saying this would be follow your passions, which follow I've your seen, heart. follow your heart, which I've seen various spiritual sages say, I'm just trying to break it down analytically so that it makes sense to people because that's, that's the kind of guy I am. Um, and the other thing I want to talk about is like, people say that, oh, you, there's no dream, blah, blah, blah. Um, you can't do it. Um, this is a bit of a, what's the word? Binary thinking an example of binary thinking in that. It's more important to look at uh, the spectrum of possibilities, especially, particularly when, within poker, because there's a lot of possibilities within poker that are pretty good or good, but not necessarily amazing. It's very hard to get the amazing one. Yes, that's true. But to aim for the amazing one is kind of setting yourself up for disappointment or, I mean, you'll be perpetually disappointed. Similarly, as if you're playing in, in a tournament and you're like expecting to win, you're going to be disappointed like 99% of the time, right? Um, but if you have the attitude of, okay, like, you know, this seems like a thing that's going to be positive for myself and I'm going to approach this in a positive way, this will be better for you. Um, so I think it's important to look at things like that. In addition, uh, it is important to look at realistic outcomes in terms of self-sustainance, self-sustaining, um, in terms of like monetary possibilities. Um for example, the reason I say this is because in other uh, avenues, such as, you know, pursuing tennis, professional tennis, or pursuing professional basketball, it's really not realistic at all to make any kind of money. But because you need to be, like, the best, essentially. The top 100 are the only ones in tennis, for example, I know that make any money because I know a couple of professional ten tennis players. And, um, I mean, basketball is probably similar so that situation does not exist in poker it's far like smoother of a curve it's really and, easy um, to make six figures in poker like in comparison I'm gonna, to I'm gonna, almost anything else I, I, i'm 
I don't know about that, but bro, I, I don't know, but it's easier in comparison to, it's probably relatively a bit easier in comparison to many current avenues for young I can't, people. I can't think and of any, any easier format where you can make six figures. It's really hard to make seven and eight figures, especially eight in poker. But I, I think six, I mean, if you go and spend some time with some of the people that are playing full-time 1020 no limit hold'em in America, uh, with all kindness and respect to them, they're fucking bad at the game in comparison to how you'd expect somebody making 200k a year to be. Uh, um, whereas if you find somebody that's making 200k of being a lawyer, like they've had to study for ages for, for like half a decade and then they go and take another oh, yeah, study yeah. go and then they have to grind their way up to the top and eventually by the time they get to the top, they're very good at being a lawyer. Uh, whereas in poker, you know, we just have degenerates that are like hot, spending half their time on the blackjack tables shout out to that you know if they want to do that i wouldn't recommend it um but they're still making six figures and i so yeah it's it's definitely it's a tough game but in comparison to the rest of the world to make that much money i don't think it's that tough yeah uh i i that uh, if we're comparing it to being a lawyer yeah and so so you know what are more realistic enterprises to do um to actually make money in are more like business and um uh, maybe even crypto still crypto it's hard, though. you need you need weird. capital or a good network for those two things poker you can it's like this exponential thing that that is, is like the exponential possibilities are really there apparently trading is possible too I, I mean i'm not really an expert in these i i'll look into these after i um build what we're both working on actually which is building a poker community for all kinds of reasons we'll get into that in a second um but yeah, I mean, poker is definitely a viable outcome. I checked some sources and I wasn't really trying that hard because I wanted to see with my own eyes, like, is there really opportunity out there for low stakes players or mid stakes players to make like decent money? I wasn't looking for people to like make millions of dollars, but it looks like actually there's opportunities for all of the above to be promising. And I like, don't say that lightly. I found like a bunch and I was not trying that hard. I yeah. doing other things too. I explored a couple opportunities myself. Um, speaking of which, I'm about to explore another one, but I'm not supposed to talk about it, but whatever. Uh, I, I mean, whatever means I, I won't talk. Like, I'm still not talking about it. <laughs> you want to hint at it or something? That you brought it it's up another high-stakes opportunity to make uh, okay, good cool. money, like good cool. money. And, I mean, poker's not that complicated in ways. I don't view it to be that complicated. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's lots of different possibilities. It's, uh, it's not easy. You need to have the right kind of thing. And one of the cool things about poker that I think is good is that it does get you, it does cultivate a lot of positive habits, especially the ability to critically think, which I think is severely lacking in today's world, especially with the, you know, the rise of social media and all these like stupid, um, you know, very superficial ways of getting your attention uh and like using cheap hooks to grab attention like posting pictures of nude girls for example um and things along these lines how's that going for you by the way you, what still, are your uh, you, you, you kind of tailed off from posting pictures of half naked women on social media uh we're over that i uh, that was an experiment cool i love i love that you did it i There's, think it was really cool i mean not well, cool in the sense of it. like normative cool but i think it's cool that you, you explored that side of yourself and you're like that ain't for me but at least i tried it you know one thing I could tell you is that when I was on those trips with those girls, there were one of these weird situations where, you know, I had sexual abundance. I had, uh, it was, it was as if like, I got to the point where I was, where I was like trying not to be sexual. I was like, um, being very, like, I have a point where 
it's too much and i think it's a little bit lower easier to get to than um with other people and i was just being like really really picky and um i mean i'm a bit like that anyway actually and after a few days or so i just really wanted to get off like the yacht or whatever it was i was like this is driving you're just me not crazy. not, not built for that life huh not built for the damn bilzer in life no no i mean yeah, me some of some versions of that are cool but uh yeah i really wanted to do something productive and other guys had similar sentiments who i thought were builds on top of that at least from what i know like a few of them actually uh, all of them maybe even have like effectively wiped someone up which is the interesting thing i mean it took them a bit of a minute they still run these things it's like their idea of fun is running these like little lifestyle projects at least a few of them uh but i just found that to be really interesting i don't really understand why that is um i mean exploring those possibilities to see what happens is interesting also to help solve the problems in the dating um market general i think uh you got to go through a whole phase uh, to understand it i mean you don't actually have to but it, it can be kind of helpful exploring it experientially uh could be an interesting i, no, went, I went i went through a polyamorous phase you man. Did that. i went i went through a dating loads and loads of people phase and i was never having like hookups or anything like like one night stands or anything like that but it was still i got to i got to go near the extremities of that version of life and i took from it what I liked and I left most of it behind. And uh, no, I, I think it's, it's powerful for a person to be able to experience a lot of the the wild things in life and you did it. Sure. Um, well, I can see a lot of reason to experience those things because they give like not, they give not experiencing those things more depth. And in fact, the idea of karma, you know, if you have the inclination to do something like that, it's actually better. It's healthily released than to, be, have it be stifled which is what many religions end up doing is they stifle um people's like sexual uh, that's sexuality the, that's and the thing. When, when 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 you tell people no it's a sin to be sexual it's a sin to masturbate or it's a sin to like go out in public wearing with your ankle showing if you're a you know in a very conservative islamic uh, state as a woman then what happens is you're not allowing people to figure that stuff out for themselves you're not allowing people to actually fully embody that 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 knowledge themselves and they're just being told, and so often you just find people exploding and exploding and exploding and exploding. And uh, well, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta spread your wings to be able to find out where you want to live. Yeah. Well, many. So you know, many like you know, the various things are technically a sin, but it's like, um, yeah, as you said, people effectively have to figure those things out for themselves. They have to figure out what's good or what's bad. I came to the same conclusion. So you just kind of have to. Um, can't really there's no forcing it i i, I do want to ask you were you you said you're not sleeping with the people when you were polyamorous what or you're just not having one night stands no i was i was sleeping with people i just wasn't having one night stands uh, so i i had without even really realizing it i had a lot of sexual trauma so like sex was something that was very vulnerable for me and so even even when i wasn't aware of the trauma i was still very selective with whom i whom i slept with um and so i would have lots of girlfriends but it would be long-term girlfriends um and uh then i would go through phases of breaking up with everybody and being single for a bit and not dating at all and then i'd find somebody i'd be in a long-term relationship with them i was, I was pretty f chaotic 
Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, what was it? What was the sexual trauma that you're? For, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah I can talk about it. What was it that got you over this? No, my uh, my what? grand my granddad uh, raped me as a kid, and yeah. uh, uh, so harsh. No, it's pretty nasty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't fun at the time, but um, no, I'm I'm all right about it now, so I can talk about it. And that left patterns, and often what happens if someone's traumatized as a child, it can leave like patterns of of that that action happening again and again. So I, I would naturally gravitate towards people that were kind of like sexually aggressive. Yep. And then I also had, and here's, here's a funny thing that, uh, that I, I, I've, I've got some, uh, some qualms with a lot of people online, including the feminist uh, movement. So the thing, the thing is that I, I had a bunch of situations where I would be laying with a woman. I would say explicitly, no, I don't want to have sex. She would like hop on and just start having sex with me. And I'd be like too triggered from stuff from when I was a kid, even though if I didn't know about it at the time, because the memories came back to me when I was, when I was a little bit older. Um, and to, to really do anything, I kind of just like went along with it after that or just didn't move or sometimes just prematurely ejaculated. And here's the thing, speak about this as a guy and the vast majority of people are like, oh, poor you. Oh, poor man getting so much. Because everyone just wants to because they're so... Uh, so based in their primal biological uh, stupidities, and they they can't imagine that it would be bad for a man to have sex with with an attractive woman. Um, and this is where I would I would ex have expected the feminist movement, who often claims to be the the champion of both genders or sexes or all of them, now, uh, okay, um, to, cool to step in and say actually this is an issue too, but it's it's never brought up. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, the, their responses are pretty stupid, obviously. I mean, this is what makes me, you know, I see, I see, you know, socially adjusted people say things like this and I think how fucking like this thing to say, why would you say that? If feminism is true to their, you know, true to what they're <laughs> supposed to represent, then they should have your back. But feminism has a multitude of modern feminism anyway, that, you know, the old feminism was better. Uh, and some variations of feminism are, are yeah, it's, it depends, it has all depends kinds of person. It's an individual thing, but and it's all, it's also like a cultural and temporal thing. Like, I actually got into feminism, and I described myself as a feminist when I was like 21, 22. So it's like eight yeah. years ago, and this is before it got mainstream popular. So like all of the hardcore talking points that came around like four or five years ago, I'd already. I'd already learned it all. I'd already had debates with friends who are feminists and like really understood the nitty gritty nuances of why they were saying these things. So when, and all the love to these people, when someone like Justin Bonomo goes online and says, actually, you are culturally appropriating this thing and this actually gender theory. And it's like shit that I'd heard many years ago. Um, and it, it was it was very fascinating as I saw myself kind of like learn it identify with it a little bit because it was the first idea i'd had of, i'd had in life of how to be compassionate and good i'd learned from a from a good friend of mine who was really really intelligent and then reject it and then watch that information spill from the universities out into out into the public worlds and watch other people go through the same pattern that i went through um but some people just get stuck in it i it, it was it was it was really really interesting insight and parallel between my own life and theirs of, of how ideology can just strike a person down. Yeah, I mean, there's different sides of it for sure. And like the way it realizes itself, it really 
um, changed in all kinds of ways. I, I will say that Justin's um, interpretation of feminism seems to be a bit healthier. Um, at least whoever he's talking to, it seems like those feminists should have a gripe. I believe that's the word with the modern, uh, the mainstream feminists, which are not at all about equality. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy to even think that they are. I, I um, want to say, I really like Justin and he and I will disagree on probably most of the topics that are under that umbrella, but I, I, I really like him and he's, he's a very yeah. intelligent guy. So yeah. Shout out to him. Oh yeah, I like Justin too. I'm not even disagreeing with him. I disagree with him a little bit, but just the idea of yeah, I mean his idea of feminism, I'm saying, is better than the actual mainstream one. Um tempting to go into that more, but we do it, should do it. What's, uh, give, give me your most controversial anti LGBTQ opinion. Actually, I'm not very I don't have a strong opinion on that. I don't. I definitely don't want to get the rage to. I'll find um, it. I'll find it in you. Should trans women compete in women's sports? I don't think so. But <gasps> there it is. There's the cancellation. Well, he said the he said the R words, and now he's also he's gone down the the the, the terrible pathway. Um, I maybe you know this one. I. Well, the, my, the only reason I say this is because I have the, the South Park cartoon in my mind <laughs> where Macho Man decides he's a woman and uh, he's, you know, juiced up on steroids and obviously wins. And they just that's the only that, reason. That, that, I mean, that, that just clearly isn't kind good. Of, kind of uh, happened as well. But other than that, I mean, if it's equal, if it's, you know, if the hormone biology is relatively in the ballpark i mean nah, the, 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 i don't really the, want to talk about it that much to be the, honest the hormone argument is so dumb and it's that modern science just doesn't doesn't understand that you can't just like categorize a human being a man and a woman as only different due to their hormonal balances there's like 20 different variables that you can't change at the moment through modern science like bone density muscle twitch fibers stuff like this and uh people intuitively get that they're like no no no, that that person still has an edge i can literally see them have an edge over the people like physical edge in a physical sport but you know they they don't understand biology enough to be able to articulate why why that is i feel like this is an example of i want to give you a poker analogy so i feel like this is an example of let's go back to poker a little bit <laughs> of you're, you know, there's all these spots, you know, and you're and instead of looking at, oh, let's try to see if the, the preflop strategy is working or the C bet strategy or the, or the, um, the, you know, the barrels are pretty good, barrel frequencies, like that kind of stuff's pretty good. We're like going off on a tangent or making sure the, um, penny is say the like the three bet the river frequency is the right amount. If you see what I'm saying, I just feel like, at least for me, I don't care that much about that spot. You know, I'll let you you fight this one out, and I don't have a strong opinion. I don't really know enough to, to analyze this complicated <laughs> spot that you just never get to. This just doesn't really matter, man. Um, at least for me, like it matters for it matters a lot to other people, but I'm just not trans, like so. If I'm really educated, maybe I'll say something anyway. His, his, so let's talk his, more about his, poker. His, wait, 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 let, let me let me let me bounce it out a little bit. On the other side of things, people are so anti-trans and largely because of their like, uh, you know, gen genuine disgust towards people who are different, but then also uh, largely because of how the trans movement has, has been radicalized. But people are so cruel to people that are trans. 
and well, people that are trans get bullied online like there's no tomorrow they get called all of these terrible things and they're just people and they deserve love and compassion and kindness doesn't mean you have to agree I, with them but you you got to like, agree with that i do not understand the hatred towards trans people this is beyond insane just, that's one of the spots where like why why go why do these crazy things it's just that'll be a tougher thing to fix um I don't understand the bullying of the trans people. There's probably some not so great reasons behind that that should be explored. Um, right, we can do poker now. We can do poker. More... We've an anti cancel jungle now. Anti cancel, please. <laughs> um, so let's talk a bit more about poker. <laughs> um, why, why don't you tell us why poker is a spiritual endeavor? Because this is an interesting um, thing that. Or interesting opinion that most people may not be able to see. What do poker and spirituality have in common? Charlie poker, poker's uh, poker's a teacher, and here's, here's the thing: anything can be a spiritual endeavor if you want it to be. But some things will catalyze the spiritual process more than others. Poker is something that incentivizes you to sit there with yourself and with your emotions for 10, 12, 15 hours at a time. I'm sure you've done even longer sessions, as as have I. And if you're not consciously aware of your own mind. The duality between the intellect and the intuition, the tilt that's happening, the stress that's happening. Why am I triggered by this person that's three bet me three times in a row? Oh, it links back to when I was kicked in the face as a kid three times in a row. You know, there's just so many links that come with the inwards journey that you're incentivized to face because there's money dangling in front of you like a little carrot. And so that's that's part of it. And also what it does is it helps you find the play in the in in the world. If you can genuinely find joy in playing a game and then extrapolate that energy out into the rest of the world. You'll see so many poker players, they gamify life. They're like, you know, how I, I can throw this in the bin, I'll bet you amount of money and they just get so much joy from it. And there is genuine spiritual nourishment there. In, in Hinduism, they call it the Leela, the, the divine play within the universe. There's so much spiritual nourishment in the idea of being able to play and play and play and laugh and laugh and not be too bothered by the result of things. And that's another really powerful thing that not being results oriented is just so crucial to poker and it's so crucial to life. And that there's just all of these little lessons that trickle down and eventually just embody them because it's who you are. You're a poker player now. You've played millions of pans and you've had to embody this way of being, which is structured, disciplined, powerful, into intellectual, intuitive, mathematical, psychological, whatever it is that the, the way that you approach the game. And when you embody that and bring it out to the rest of your life, that is a spiritual path. That is a spiritual process. And poker, you know, people people equate it to just playing blackjack or just like, oh, they just say it's gambling. There's no way it can be good for the world. But we're watching in front of our eyes so many people get up to the high stakes, become a really powerful, reified version of themselves, and they want to go out and actually change the world in all of the different ways they want to change the world. And you see that time and time and time again. And to be, for someone to say that that isn't like a good process, it's, uh, it's bananas. All right. That was a really good answer. There's a few things to talk about. One thing I want to mention is there is a trigger that you reminded me of that absolutely does, does go back to my childhood, which is definitely in poker. I don't like to be with, um, if someone me, they're going to be on my mind. I'm gonna, I'm going to find, I'm going to think in my head if they threw about me a few times in a row, is this guy messing with me? Like that kind of thing. Um, I mean, I pretty, I'm very good at dealing with it poker wise. Now I have a ton of experience. So the, you know, the massive ego kicks in, 
so good luck, guys, with that one. Yeah. If you're trying to mess with the jungle, <laughs> um, I kind I guess I should encourage it actually. I uh, probably Uh, dem, you know, exp um, the results would say so. I think there's a word for that. I, 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 I around with you that anyway. Uh, that one session where we got drunk and played against Tony G on Zoom. I like tried tried my hardest to get underneath your skin, and uh, it was it was a really fun time. And I I, I, I think I, you. I think you got underneath my skin, but it doesn't affect my play that much. I will say that. Um, maybe in like a really subtle way, but nothing major. I um I can see how a lot of the life leaks do translate outside of poker. It's not so clear to me how to make them manifest in real life. Uh, the lessons from poker manifest in real life. That's what I've been trying to do for years. I, I've done it a little bit. Uh, one thing I'll say that really translates, at least for me, but it was more natural for me, was this idea of thinking of everything in terms of, you could say something like poker logic, but thinking of things in terms of like expectation and all of that and thinking, okay, what are the possibilities? What if I'm wrong? I mean, one thing poker really shows you is that you can be really sure and totally be wrong all the time, even if you're you know, really experienced or whatever, which is an important lesson yeah. in real life. And, like, and in the, in the real world, they call that 10 times more in real life. They call that Bayesian <laughs> probabilistic thinking. And th this is one of the other things that poker teaches you. It teaches you how to be a good Bayesian. And if you don't have a good, a good intuition for an, an understanding of like what percentage chance it might be that somebody's going to be bluffing this turn or whatever it's going to be, then you're not going to do well in poker. And so we develop this this in deep intuition and and understanding of percentages and probabilities and how that how we can then um, you know predict what what how somebody's going to make their strategy and then how to counteract that. And then when you bring bring that into real life, it, I I've seen it just happen naturally. I've seen poker players just talk naturally in a Bayesian way without even knowing that the word Bayesian exists. Yeah, I um, I know about Bayesian probability, um, but I don't know too much of details. I mean, there's I believe there's some crossover to philosophy with that also. I mean, I, I took some philosophy classes, and that seems to be my actual inclination. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I would say that this is like a more realistic way of dealing with things in real life. Um, and I wanted to ask this question. So you're noticing a lot of players, poker players, do want to take that and do a lot of good in the world. Um, I'm seeing this a decent amount, but I disagree a lot. First of all, well, we'll get to that a little bit. I disagree a lot with the methodology of how they're doing this in terms of what's truly optimal. Um, I, I really do want to say what I believe is optimal, but let's just go into this first. And is that why, why do you think that is that, that many poker players are going out and doing that once they achieve this level of success? I think people, when they've completed poker to a certain degree, it stops being as enjoyable like for me winning a big tournament now isn't isn't i mean i love it i i love the feeling i love the feeling of having a big cash game session but it's not like oh this is deeply profoundly meaningful to my life or it can be but it's nowhere near as much as if i were to then go out and do something something in the real world and i think a lot of people they you know they spend a lot of time in poker aiming to get to the top and when they're there like oh, okay now what and that that there's also this big crossover with with like inner work that comes with poker players, you get a lot of poker players that are always talking about mental health and all, and it really obviously would connect with poker because your mental health needs to be on point to be competing at the highest level. Uh, at least a lot of people's do. Uh, some people are a little sociopathic and that's also fine. Um, actually quite a decent amount at the highest level. 
and um, fine is a relative term but okay yeah i mean it's fine for them you know they they, they handle it in poker at least um and when somebody's done that in a journey that then very often when they get a lot of money you, you're faced with a really obvious conundrum when you make a lot of money you know you, you make like let's say a million dollars and then you look into it for like two minutes into the philanthropic world and you're like wait this million dollars could literally even if i was pretty inefficient about spending it could literally save the lives of a thousand people like save that like stop them from dying and that that's I've being got a controversial opinion about that by the way yeah yeah go for it i don't think that saving lives is inherently good okay <laughs> i found the sociopath no 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 <laughs> hear me out on this but okay. we'll get to this in a little bit <laughs> Because I think I have very compelling logic behind this. Let's say I, I got to hear it now. I'm too, I'm too curious. I got to hear it. Well, it's it's pretty simple. So people can be good or bad, right? And if you're going to have the idea of like choosing to save someone's life, um, they're going to do whatever with that, right? They're going to do some good. They're going to do some bad. So in a vacuum, like, yeah, you're doing something that, you know, will uh, create some kind of effect for people. Like you could even say like they're going to experience more misery or whatever, and it's not going to be good. What if they cause a lot of more misery? What if you save the life of a villain and they end up being really bad? Like then, then it's you've done something quite bad, actually. Um, so what I would say, especially with limited resources, what you want to do is you want to save the lives of people that are going to do something good for it. Because not only would those people go out and do something good with the you know their lives and essentially their asset that they have um their life is their asset just as any currency or money um now they're rewarded for their good behavior right and the bad people are also punished by default we've withdrawn the energy from the bad people we say okay you guys have stolen from the you know the community you've taken literally they're thieves uh, even krishna in the uh bhagavad calls on this they're literally thieves in the same sense that someone is a thief from the poker period they steal and you, and now you've given it to the good people the good people go on and create more and more um the metaphor of a garden really works so you have like people working in the garden and they you know are doing more they're planting more um flowers or whatever it is or they're they're just making more and more i think that that is in fact the nature of the universe so that's my logic in fact that death is a necessary thing by nature in order to like you know create this at least um at least i i i haven't researched this a bunch but it intrigues me uh it to create this this um what's the word this line of uh you have to do something with it uh this this finish line like there's a time constraint that's the word okay so time constraint so now this gives people reason to do things this this actually is just part of the nature of the universe. Does that make sense to you? It all makes that, sense. It seems like a necessary uh, boundary. It, it's it's a utilitarian argument. Uh, nice to meet you, Thanos. It is. And um, there are there are many many people that have spoken out against the the utilitarian. Uh, so so for instance, if you're doing the trolley problem, you know, and you have to like pull a lever to kill one person but save the lives of five, would you would be the oh. kind of person to be like, what are your moral beliefs before you? Because <laughs> um, in your mind, it I might mean, ideally, but like, yes, like if you have that bizarre decision, yeah, you have to pull the trigger for sure. I mean, you don't want that decision, like, 
So, um, so, so if you have, um, if you had the option to press a button and let's say the, uh, the people who are the 1% of people in the world who are most likely to be criminals in their life, whether they're babies or adults, uh, are just going to drop dead, no pain or anything like that. Um, would you press it? This is a different argument. Now you're, you're actually, there's a, there's a, an important subtlety here. And that a, a very important analogy to this situation would be, you would be, you're basically asking me in poker, hey, so if you had a, the choice of pressing this button and between all the bad players, um, and say you could just wipe out all the bad players and give their money straight away to the good players, would you press it? The answer is no. And that is not, you know, the will of the universe. That's not how the universe works. Like a way that I look at it is essentially the bad people have their own strategy of dealing with things from the grandest perspective. And yeah, it does eventually like take from, it does eventually hurt themselves. And it does like in certain instances create variations of, well, temporary injustices between, you know, them and other people, but it eventually screws themselves. But like, it's the nature of the universe to let it just play out. So, right. So no, you just gave a really powerful counter argument to your first idea. Your first idea is saying that you don't think it's, it's naturally a, you know, a good thing to save people's lives. You just gave a well, really good a counter argument. Here. There's a, there's a difference. What's the difference? There's, there's a big difference here. I don't think that I've contradicted myself as well. You, you said, okay, we've got this free money. We've got this like asset that we can now go out and give to people. Why don't we just give it to people randomly? The I, mean, reason I, didn't, is... I didn't say randomly. I said, no. but but well, let's let's assume that I did. Well, okay, like that's my reason. Don't give it randomly. You like give it to but, the people that that deserve it. That's, right, that's but your 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 argument was that you don't think it's naturally a good thing to save somebody's life. Um, but if your argument it's... is that it's better to save people's lives who are going to do good stuff in the world, then that that's a different argument. Oh, let's put it that way. Yes. I think, um, I think, you know, what's, I'm thinking about this now. My intuition says you should save the person's life if the, if you have the option to do so, but then you have to beg questions like, okay, now you've got a bunch of money. Like you've got a bunch of money. Why don't you, um, and I've asked myself these questions. Why don't, why don't I just give all my money away and save people's lives? You know what I mean? Because I could save a shitload of lives right now. If I just gave all my money away and save lives, if it was inherently that good of a thing. Is that really something good? But then I could like invest money and like save more lives or whatever. I've asked myself all these questions. These are the sort of conclusions I had to come and to. And I think I think the point is that you're thinking about it in terms of how to how to help the most people, how to bring the most joy into the world, and how to reduce the most suffering. Whether yes. that looks like giving all your money away now or investing it and saving it in the future, or like a mixture of both, uh, you know that that's up to you to strategize. But for me, it's really important. I have an answer for that. I have a very compelling answer for that. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I think you understand the answer, but basically, firstly, I want to go back to the original question I asked you, which is why are these people doing this? Why are they all of a sudden doing good things? Um, I think everyone has their own kind of reasons, whatever that means, but I have the, uh, the reason that I think makes the most logical sense, or at least for me, it does, which is, and Alex Ramosi kind of said this as well. He realized like at some point, Alex Ramosi is a very famous influencer. I like him a lot. He's really, really good at what he does. Um, he says a lot of philosophical truths, et cetera, that apply to entrepreneurship, which we're both trying to do. Um, and he says something like at some point you realize like the amount of money that you make doesn't really matter and that you change your goal from the amount of money 
uh, to the amount of positive impact you create, uh, it shifts. And this is, this is what happened to me. I realized, well, wait, actually making all this money is in fact more arbitrary than aiming for something like positive impact because the positive impact will last, but the money is just like a number on a screen, no different from like a game beyond whatever freedom I wanted. And I didn't really want that much beyond, um, I didn't want it that much monetarily speaking beyond like whatever freedom that I had. So it became, yeah, I guess it made more sense for me to come to this conclusion a little bit, uh, faster. So it was as if instead of making money on a screen, now I'm making, you know, more positive change in the world. And that has some kind of like positive value. And it also, it was also more interesting. Whereas like the number on the screen on, on the, uh, your number on the screen goes up. Yeah. You watch it go up and you can see that it goes up. But it goes up in a very predictable way. I mean, there's even like a linear possibility to it. So it becomes kind of boring in a way. It's like a solved game. Uh, like it's it, at poker at some point in certain ways became for me something like a hedonic treadmill, but a much more complicated one. And I was like, I don't care that much. But it did evolve. I did see other aspects to it. And uh, that's why I ended up dressing in my costume and acting crazy. And also uh, it, how I ended up realizing a bigger goal, which is to create something that has parabolic, potentially, par potentially parabolic returns. And so basically another way that poker players may understand this is like, you know, when you push an edge, you do the right thing and you don't know that it's going to like do something good, but eventually does something good for you in the long run. I mean, this is the game of doing the good, the right thing in, but on a grander scale, which is doing things that create positive impact, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, at least in theory, this is the the real game, the bigger game, you can say, if you want to keep playing bigger games. So that's the answer that I had for that. That's that's what I personally realized and was able to put into words. And uh, yeah, it, it, it all comes back to what we said at the beginning about the most selfish thing you can do is to be selfless. And I truly believe that if we point every atom of our being towards doing as much good in the world as possible or creating as much positive impact, whatever you want to say, reducing as much negative impact, I truly, truly feel to the heart of my being that that is the, the optimal way to live life for myself. Not not talking from like a, a martyr place or like, a, oh, look at me being so morally good. It's literally just like, hey, I think that it's better for me and for everybody else. And that's the game that I want to play. I want to make everybody happy. I want to make everyone suffer less. And um, in in Eastern philosophy, there's, there's, a, there's a mantra that would go along with this, which is uh, loka samasta suki no pavantu. And there's so much depth in every single word and, every, and, and, and the whole mantra itself. But it's essentially like me, like saying, hey, all of my thoughts, all of my words, all of my actions are going to point towards doing as much good in the world as possible for all beings. And when you dedicate yourself, and this is why people chant it so much, when you dedicate yourself with true attention and focus to that, that point, that North Star compass, where it's like, boom, everything I do points towards that. It's not just, hey, I'm making enough money. I make as much money as I can to do as much good. It's like every time I like say hi to the bin man, every, every, every time I have the option about, you know, helping somebody that's on the street, every time, every time I'm, you know, considering doing something for my wife, that is imprinted within our within our cellular structure those words those vibrations are imprinted within it and you get to really actually fully immerse yourself in that game 
and life is just a series of games, which I know you agree with me on that because we've talked about it before, where that is the, the game. That is the ultimate game. And now you're fully immersed in it because you've really hit hard with that. You don't have to say it in Sanskrit, but I do believe there are some, some esoteric properties to doing that. But just truly saying, I am going to dedicate myself in every way possible to doing as much good in the world as, as I can. And, well, that's um, what I've been realizing. It's very hard to emotionally reconfigure yourself towards that, even if you like can see the intellectual possibility. Uh, one thing I want to say is actually relatively recently, I was reading something that um, does essentially say that, but from different perspectives, well, similar, just a slightly different perspective. I was reading Swami Vivekananda, who for a very long time, he's like the intellectual, uh, uh, an intellectual Hindu guy. He's very, very smart. He debated the existence of God for a long, long time. And he had an atheist, he had an atheist, one atheist parent and one that really believed. And he was really conflicted for a super long time. And he said, uh, he said to do a couple of things like that, basically to, he even gave some advice for the atheist to, um, believe to believe properly. He, he said a lot of smart things actually, but uh, one thing he said was to basically pray that all, everything you do will be for the sake of the universe is one way of putting it or uh, give everything in your life uh, towards God. Um, and he also said basically to pray every day um, for something like peace, happiness, and bliss for all beings, which um, I will say I did try that. And I definitely felt something. I felt like, okay, this definitely did something in my mind. It, it made me like a bit more positive, I guess I could say. Or a bit more joyous, uh, whereas maybe I'm a bit too, I think sometimes I can be a little bit too analytical or whatever, but, um, yeah, it had, I found that to be interesting that I had that effect. So I could see how these things might work in terms of actually changing oneself. It makes some sense to me. Yeah, bro. I used, um, to, I used to be I, a fucking hardcore atheist, rationalist. No, you know, I was, I was like really, really hard into that. I didn't believe I was a nihilist. I didn't believe in right or wrong. And I was, I was truly dedicated towards hedonic, hedonistic pleasure, but not even that. I didn't even see a rational reason to, to have hedonistic pleasure. And, uh, yeah, I, I watched myself change from like the most emotionless person that I just so traumatized. All my emotions just, I, I couldn't feel them for the life of me. I couldn't feel any emotions. So being somebody now, I cry every day from joy and seeing my daughter and all of these things. And it's like, yeah, there, there's so many That's things cute. that is really good, man. It's watching a drum at the moment she's seven months she just loves starting to drum um i i've seen i've seen so many of the things that i would have just put away as like non-scientific or you know i was so heavily in the intellect that i just didn't believe in doing any of these things or i didn't think it was for me like meditation i just didn't think it could possibly be good for me and now i and now i've slowly started to see that every single one of these things like dancing singing meditating chanting like all of the telling stories, being around a campfire with friends, like all of these things that truly take you out of your mind and into your body and help just nourish your body. It then spills out into the intellectual world as well. And I become a better poker player. I become a better chess player because I just feel better. And I can be intellectually on point as, uh, for a lot longer without drugs or anything like that. And I, I, I think it, we're living in a time where we're so heavily disconnected from our hearts and from the earth and from from feeling from being human we're so heavily into the intellect and disconnection with concrete and living in flats and that people just have forgotten that there are 
fucking human being and that you need to do human being stuff that we evolved to do to be a high functioning person. And the, the depths that you can take that, I mean, you have to really go to like somewhere like India to, to see how far you can take that. Or you have to find people that have been deep on their spiritual path to, to, to really show us how far you can go. It's not so easy. Um, <laughs> I will say that many of those changes are not very easy. Uh, and certainly there's going to be a number of people sitting here thinking, what the hell? Or blah, blah, blah. Uh, nonsense. Um, I will say it's very hard for many people to understand that there may be better ways out there, especially when I, I want to talk about the comparison between hedonism versus ulteriors, ulterior ways of doing things. Uh, and I struggle with this a little bit myself, but basically I think the principle is that, you know, hedonism is sort of like a short term gratification game. Uh, and that, yeah, like you'll get, you know, the pleasures from hedonism or whatever, but you cut off the potential pleasures from um, more long-term gratifying things, such as potentially like, you know, a long-term relationship or all the benefits that come from having good health if you get a lot of junk food. Um, and uh, so I think that's just what it is in a nutshell. It's just like, do you choose the short-term gratification versus the, the many long-term potential benefits, which are uh, much more variegated and different you have to like shut those off if you do choose it isn't just by its nature of what that is uh i would say that that would be the you know self for the intellectual crowd that that might make sense for people um and uh i mean this is one of the reasons why i'm deciding i'm going to try the celibacy thing while i realized that uh my sexual desire was really getting in the way of a lot of my purpose stuff i mean actually sexual desire is the obstacle towards spiritual realization in the hindu um philosophy some of them which some, some of them uh, are right with it you go you go towards like the tantric paths and people are embracing their sexual desires it's 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 more like uh yeah it's like the difference between eating a cheeseburger or, or having like a beautiful healthy meal you know, it's like, you know, I've never, I've never found a spiritual path that, that incentivizes the, the, the sexual cheeseburgers. Um, but there, there are some that really embrace the, the healthy sexual activities. Oh, I, um, I certainly think that that has some kind of place. It would be under the branch of Hinduism again. Uh, Buddhism just would not give a shit, I would think, because Buddhism is just saying, okay, screw all these games. Let's just go straight to the source and just uh feel bliss that's what buddhism basically says or at least the the original buddhism as far as i'm aware i'm not super educated on it um yeah it's, it's more say? it's more like a deep deep and profound awareness and uh the the idea is that eventually you escape escape the cycle of uh, samsara and suffering um, yeah. I, I want to, I want to, I want to touch on some, some of the controversial things and not for the sake of being controversial, but for the sake of well, the, one of the controversial things of sorts that I really want to touch on is just this idea. I personally came to the conclusion that the most good, some of the most good you could actually do was basically creating cultures of goodness. Um, I, this is really relevant. It, creating cultures of goodness, of somehow putting out more, creating more good, having that added to yourself, first of all, of it being, having, doing things more in a better, better way. Uh, create more positivity you can say more joy whatever it is um and 
also influencing other people to do so as well, which is a bit tricky. And there's many different ways of doing this, actually. And people do do this. People have been doing this for a long time. This is what I realized. And maybe I'm sure you realize it too, but, um, you know, this is what a lot of art is about. This is what a lot of music is about. This is what a lot of games are about. This is what, like, a lot of cinema is about. This is what a lot of, I mean, a lot of communities cultivate this as well, which I understand you've got a community. Um, you want to talk about that? Yeah. I, I, and it's still growing, you know, it's still, I'm still, I'm still figuring out what kind of community I want to build in the world. And at the moment it's like, a, it's a, it's a beginning, it's a microcosm and, um, of what it, what it eventually might be, but I'm just trying to, trying to feel out what it is that can help, uh, people become best versions of themselves and become happiest versions of themselves. And, you know, it's, it's a delicate, it's a delicate balance, but if we can create that within ourselves first, if we can find that delicate balance of, of virtue and, you know, getting rid of vices that get in the way of, of, of our success and joy and genuine, like it, I, I'll never learn from a person that's a spiritual master if they don't like emanate bliss and joy and love and all of these things. Cause there's like, well, what the f have you been doing all, with all your time? You know, what, what, what's the point if you're just still miserable like the, like everybody else. And, <laughs> and so I, I've, I, I'm nowhere near an enlightened master or anything like that, but I, I've managed to reach a certain level of competence in my life where, you know, I used to be an Asperger kid that could barely tie shoelaces, definitely couldn't make a cup of tea. I couldn't speak to anybody about anything without, without it devolving into nonsense and just being terrified of all, all social interactions. I had all of the ADHD symptoms before it was like hyperdiagnosed, especially when I was a little bit older, I did had dyspraxia. I, I really was dealt a pretty shitty hand and I managed to cultivate myself into now I'm the most confident person in most rooms that I walk into probably, probably the vast majority of them. I, I feel comfortable in my own skin. I'm joyful and I'm articulate. I, I'm successful and I've still got so long to go. But now I feel comfortable to finally step up and be like, you know, I can actually I can actually help guide people because I do have a, 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 a love for teaching and a love for leading communities and things like that. And I want to be able to share what's worked for me, but at the same time, still just learn because all of these people out there are individuals. And I think it's very hard for a leader sometimes to remember that the individuals in the community that you're leading have so much to teach you as well. So I'm always like constantly trying to remind myself of that. And what I've created in my, in my discords, in my, in my community is a bunch of people who are, yeah, they want to get good at poker and lo loads of people are having huge amounts of success, making a shit ton of money. But the deeper part of that is that we're all actually part of a community and we're all, we're all trying to become the best versions of ourselves. And I, I'm really banking on the idea that a lot of the people that make a ton of money from this community are also going to go out and do a ton of good in the world once they have that position of privilege or whatever you want to call it. And so, yeah, it's, it's like, um, it's like at, at the moment it's a little seed and it's still blossoming, but eventually I, I, I do plan to have, uh, you know, communities worldwide that I can then be part of and help and learn from as well. Um, that's, that's all, all great to me. I, uh, I mean, I, that's what I hope with the, with the goal of the community that I'm creating as well. I'm still figuring out precisely how to do it. Um, I mean, maybe it is a very complicated thing to do, but I really do think communities in this like idea of positivity will is really the change that's required and that will help get beat more and more people to do more positive things and create par parabolic change. Um, ideally, um, it's hard to get people on board with that. And I mean, 
you can only do so much actually it's really up to the other people i uh thinking about what you said there are some benefits to being you can say aspergic or whatever the word is i mean i have like some of the weaknesses myself um there's some what's the word there's some uh things that people think about people with aspergers that are not really true there's some misconceptions i believe the word is uh, one thing I was thinking was that I do think precisely dancing would be really good for me. I, I wanted to get a dance teacher. I do think the idea of like cultivating more joy is is a good thing. That's what's one thing I want to do. But... Just after this podcast, just turning up, nobody's around, just f***ing putting on some music and just jamming for like twenty minutes and just dancing, dancing through the discomfort. Um, I have better things on. to do. I got I got to go to the gym or something. Uh, a little bit too busy. Yeah? A little bit too busy for the dance. What about later when you're when you're less busy? We'll get to that. I uh, it's I just don't. I don't know. Yeah, the, um, and that that's where I was at as well. Like the but, thought the thought of me dancing, even when I was by myself, was so terrifying. My body would freeze up, and I I eventually had to start dancing by myself. And then I started doing it in front of I had the tank of fish. I started dancing in front of my fish and being like really awkward and really. And then I brought up, brought up some more confidence. So I do it in like a club or at a festival where no one's really looking. And then eventually, now now it got to the point. <laughs> if you put me butt naked in front of the uh, the king of England's, I'd be like, let's go, you freak, whatever. And um, yeah, like dancing on the on the tube and things like that. And it's just a matter of practice. And it's a matter of like, oh, okay, I've made the decision. I want to be this version of myself. What's the path? And it's very often just and try it. Um, my answer to that is a bit strategic. I have to strategize my own personal development, basically. And you know, you only have so much limited willpower. Like doing this, I, I don't know what precise dividends it pays. So I, I focus more on other things where I've already overextended myself all the time. Like, I don't even know if I get enough sleep, dude. So throwing dancing in there, you know, dancing and wait. Dancing can wait, okay? You can, uh, you can yeah, do all that, the dancing. That five minutes code. a day, you can just jam. That, that's that's too much. I don't agree. I think I think complexifying my life is not the answer. If anything, I'm too complex. I get. I if get you that see state. dancing as complexifying, I think you're looking in the wrong the wrong direction then. Uh, you, you see, you need a more compelling argument to convince me. Basically, well, da dancing isn't. It, it, it's a it's a it's a way of being. Like we we evolved in societies and cultures that danced, and we're, we're our bodies are evolved to enjoy the 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 process of dancing. And so by by learning so, or remembering how to do the things that we've evolved to do, we're not complexifying our life. We're simplifying it. We're getting rid of these these random ass mind games that we've created to, that say, oh, we can't dance in these situations. We can't sing in these situations. We're, and we're bringing back the simplicity of just being. And when you find the nature of people's beingness, they dance, they sing, they tell stories, they joke, they laugh. See, I, I have a million, I have like a, a million like holes to push, put into that argument. Like why, 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 why is what I would basically say. Why what? Uh, you would have to basically create a more compelling argument rooted in logic. Like, yeah, maybe. Wait, wait that, was, no, that enough, was directly rooted it. in logic. That, who cares? Fact, I, I'm going to tap myself on the shoulder and say that was an extremely logical argument. I took it from the evolutionary standpoint. And I, I said, I don't if, agree. We, if, how is that not rooted in logic? We've literally evolved over millions of years. So what? Life. I'm not, I don't, I, I don't care. Like, what are you but talking about? That's like, not, why is that's not a logical argument. We've we've evolved to dance. No, and what experience. happens when we're in line with our evolution, when we eat what we've evolved to eat, when we do what we've evolved to do, 
is that we oh, resonate yeah. uh, and it's, it's like you're uh, feeding your body the right reasons. nutrition it doesn't have to be food it could be just like actions or ways of being or ways of thinking and if we've evolved to that we can't escape our human nature and if we've evolved to dance and sing then we dance and sing and look it brings people joy and so that that's the way that's the most simple way of being your method's not very good in this case not for convincing me but you might convince other people i, I um, want so I, I, no 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 you can't just disagree what's your what's your reasoning what's your rational reason i have all kinds of reasonings i'd be like well okay you could say that it evolved in the past for a lot of different people it didn't evolve for me i don't give a shit like it doesn't appeal to me like what what can i say it doesn't appeal on the like superficial way like i don't feel like i have to dance by myself do you know what i mean that's a very that you can't even I, argue that's with that. No, that's, that's, just not, my, that's an emotional argument. That's not a rational argument. Like, why should some evolution in the past, like we evolved to do lots of different things that weren't necessarily good. Like what? And people don't do lots of different things that aren't necessarily good. We evolved to, uh, you know, we evolved to, you know, like run in the savannas or whatever it was. And we're yeah, not doing running, that running anymore. Makes people feel real good, man. Right now. Running makes them feel pretty good. It's pretty good for you. I don't really like running that much, actually. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say all that. And I would say uh, my whole reasoning of doing dancing would be, okay, I, I can see that I can see that it helped me conjure up feelings of joy. But I, like, I can see how like that process, I can feel the difference in my mind of like, okay, now I'll put it on a vibe, okay? I learned how to dance. And you know, maybe I want to have the moves like Jagger, okay? Moves like Enrique, whatever his name is. Or maybe that moves like uh, Ricky Gonzalez or who the f***. What are these like R and B artists are? Okay, that'd be pretty cool. So there's that too, and I have some like Latin swag. Maybe I have a little, little Latin in me. On top of that, um, I do think I'm a little bit. I don't flow enough. Okay, and I can see that there's potential joy in it, but uh, it would it would be a work in progress. It's not going to come anytime soon, buddy. And it doesn't give me any joy to do it so much. I would rather focus on my business, make some money, um, and you know, th that would actually bring quite a bit of good to work on the dancing. Uh, and I can think of all kinds of like ways to just to counter you. Basically, I haven't heard um, a single good counter argument apart from the one that you that the best one is I don't want to, which is completely reasonable. Uh, but it's not I mean, it's not like a rational argument of why it wouldn't be beneficial. I mean, uh, to give you an analogy in the poker world. It's like you're you're like saying something like you're like saying something like, oh, this worked, you know, back in the day, this was, you know, and then not neglecting the fact that now it's, you know, 2023. Nah, terrible analogy, dude. Evolution hasn't just like changed once the, once solvers come in. Evolution, I, I, evolution I ha happened over, over, uh, over millions of years. People say all kinds of things about complicated systems because of evolution 300,000 years ago. No, like what the f*** so, is that? So is your, argument, is your argument that humans are no longer evolved to enjoy dancing? I didn't say that. So what's your, that what's your so argument? What, what, what's, what's, changed in, what's changed in the last like 100 years or however many years you think it's changed? A lot of things, dude. Like the, the agriculture and the industrial revolution. A lot of things. Really a lot and, of and things. And you think that, and that that's made such a genetic impact on the human being that we're now no longer... I don't longer... have a strong opinion, but what you're trying to do is in, it, try to change my already complicated schedule to say, okay, why don't you dance a little bit? And I'm telling you, like, dude, you need a stronger argument than this. Like, tell me concretely, why is this good for me? Just because we did it 300,000 years ago 
doesn't mean that it's going to be good for me right now in the 21st century as I've got like a business to create and I'm running a podcast and I got to play some poker and make some money and I'm chasing some girls and blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, like we need, we need like really compelling reasons. Like what is it going to do for me if I like learn how to dance like anytime in the future? Now, maybe I do want to dance with some spicy senoritas or whatever. So there's some, there's an incentive. Okay. I'd be like, okay, yeah, I want to learn some moves on the dance floor for that. But like to dance on my own, now I have to like push myself in this. Um, I mean, on top of this, I'm like, I have all these other goals, you know, the stretch and all this shit and like do some meditation. That's and good. it's like, where is this going to fit in? Do you know what I mean? I can see benefits from meditation. It's scientifically proven. Boris dance, I don't know where those reports are. There's definitely scientific evidence of dance being good for you, but that, that, you know, I'm not, I'm not here well, to you like force you. I'm not here to tell you what you what you got to do in your life. And I, I, I know you're a busy guy. What, what I would say, I, I'm not unopposed. I'm saying, tell me something more compelling. Well, you didn't um, give me any good counter maybe. arguments for what I said, but even, even, even if the evolutionary argument doesn't yes, did. doesn't suit you, uh, which it definitely should. Like, the I don't like those arguments. I don't, I don't buy those arguments. Okay. Like, that can mean no offense. It's just no. Like, it's okay if you don't understand it. But come on, let's be real. Evolutionary arguments are there for a reason. We are human beings. We're in a human body. You, you know, you, you can make an evolutionary argument as all the nutritionists do of like eat the stuff that we evolved to eat. And there's a reason that we say eat the stuff that we evolved to eat. What's because, the what's the diet that they say they we evolved, evolved, that you evolved to And eat. that's how evolution works. We work in synergy with actions or with the, with nature or anything like that. And when we do things that we evolved to do. We've this resonate. is a counter argument for you. The, 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 I know enough about nutrition to tell you that what, what's good for you nutrition-wise, first of all, is very complicated. Um, and second of all, it changes a lot for, for each person. Why can't I just say I'm not the kind of person that likes to dance? Like, I'm a intellectual, man. I got I to write essays and make fucking uh, podcasts and shit. You got to run businesses, dude. Like, what that's are you, what how, are you that's talking how about? That's how I used dancing? to be, man. And I, I'm you telling you. You can handle you. dance floor. I'm telling you, um, you're you're identifying with the part of yourself that makes actually, you more no. comfortable to be. And I've been I there totally and I'm still there because it's so easy to be like, I'm a poker player and I do I enjoy poker. I like making money. I like doing intellectual things because I get validation from the external world for all of these intellectual things. But actually I feel awkward and uncomfortable within myself when I sing or when I dance or anything like that. But the point is that if that thing makes you uncomfortable, that's something to lean into. To become the fully I, realized I and crystallized version right of yourself, you want to be able to not be uncomfortable in these human scenarios. You want to be the kind of person that can be in flow in all of these scenarios. And if you if you look at Why? all of the most spiritually enlightened gurus and yogis that you look up to or you've, you've listened to, all of them feel comfortable singing, dancing, doing poetry and doing art and things like it. It doesn't mean they spend all their time doing it, but they're not scared of it. They're not uncomfortable by it. And they have the ability to go into that way of being if they choose to be. You missed my point. You missed my point. You totally missed a couple of points. I didn't say these things weren't good. What I said is I do not have time. Therefore, why should I change my schedule to do all these other things, which I think are important to now include this right now, instead of wait until say I've got the business running properly and then I'll throw in some dancing. And in fact, by the way, I was trying to get some dancing going. Um, and I see evidence of it but you're still not really making it that clear and like to be honest one of the biggest evidences of it is that all these people do this actually um that's probably like the biggest evidence for me personally uh i i actually could create an argument that makes more sense for why this makes sense 
I never really understood it, but you're not really getting at the core of it from my perspective. And um, whatever, it doesn't really matter that much. Most people are just going to dance anyway, dude. Um, so your logic's all over the place, people. but I love it, man. Your logic is bouncing off the walls. I think, I think my logic's great. No, your your, your argument your argument's gone all over the place, and I I don't mind it. But it's my main like, point is like, dude, why is this important enough for me to drop what I'm doing to push myself to dance? Every it might day? it might not be. Why don't I? But uh, I've got well, enough things to do. But five minutes a day in that much time, and I bet you waste a lot a lot more than five minutes a day doing something. But uh, what? But I'm not telling you to do that. But what I am I bet, saying I bet is I use my time I, really I, productive, actually. I'm sure you are in comparison to the vast majority of people. But anyway, what I'm saying is there's there's an element of life that often people in today's society completely reject. And that element is the element of being human. And I used to do it to such an extreme, like to such an intense extreme. And I see it in other people. I see the patterns of behavior when they're super in their head, they're super thinking, you know, they, they're, they're not very emotionally connected to themselves. They're not crying. They're often their brains are just like hyper rationalizing everything all the time. That used to be me. And that, that, and I see it in other people. And I, you know, with all love, I see, I see that in you. And that what I'm saying is that I'm not telling you what to do. You, you, you got your own schedule. I don't know your life, but there is such a profound element to life of when you connect into your body, you connect into that way of being, you connect into the emotions, you sit in silence for long periods of time and you feel deeply everything. And then you connect with the community through dancing, singing or whatever it is that changes somebody so much that then that change is in every single one of the meetings that you have, of the businesses that you run, of all the, the decisions that you make. And changing that little bit inside can change so much on the outside. So it can actually be the most productive thing you can do. Because when you change something on the outside, you just change okay. one thing or a few things. Change something on the inside, you change it for the rest of your life. And I think, so I think to be honest, you what you're what you're kind of doing reminds me a lot of it reminds me a lot of everyone who wants to make a positive change in the world that does not really succeed. Or at least I should say that um, feels as though the world should be simpler than it is, um, or or wonders why why people aren't more positive than they actually are. Because you know what, I actually think there's some validity to what you're saying, but there's a few different things that are going on from my perspective. Which is one, uh, as I've said before, what is the actual change of this matters, and the second thing is the execution, which matters more. Like how the f is this going to end up end up in my life? Like, I don't think I, I, I'm really, really struggling to find five minutes every day when I can't even find, you know, 15 minutes to meditate. Sometimes I would rather focus on that one than, you know, finding five minutes to dance, whereas I know this one's proven. So that's what's actually going on. And that's why things are more complicated, because there's just way more stuff under the belt. And what would be perhaps more pr productive is creating simple changes that are that you can flow. Actually, flow is a good word into um someone's scheduled that can make sense in this kind of direction i yeah, mean like, like singing and dancing like, i i don't need to put aside time to do that i just do it in my day that had nothing to do with what i just said but no, what i'm saying is that flows into a schedule this doesn't schedule flow is. into my schedule but it can but and and you know it's you irrelevant can... it, do it doesn't if you want to change me or if you want to change other people you have to like find ways of that that's what that's what like you know, be, having empathy is, is like what works for you 
you know, works for you, that's great. But it, you know, maybe it could work for me. Maybe it could work for other people too. But there has to be ways to, you know, um, it just has to be made easy if it's like a major change or it's just not going to happen. How, you know what I mean? There um, has to be some kind of inception. How, how in touch are you with your own emotions? Like, how often do you cry? How how deep do you? Oh, feel? I never cry. Never I cry, cry out of. I like very very rarely cry out of pain, uh, but I cry out of like something makes me really sad. If like if something really sad happens, and that kind of thing. Um. So I, 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 I used to, I used to I never think... I used to never cry as well. I I would go years without crying, like easy. Uh, and I'd never really be sad or anything like that. And now, now I'll, I'll, I'll cry most days, if not every day. And it's it's a f***ing beautiful experience. And it's just like what what's happening is an interesting all, shift. It, yeah, it was gradual. It was great. It took a long time to get there, and there was like ups and downs. I don't as well. know. But, I don't know if I want to get there or not. Yeah, uh, you got to make the decision. And I I remember I I was like 22, right? And I I was soft decisions to make. I, I was faced with this and I didn't believe any of the spiritual stuff, but I remember deeply and profoundly realizing that I had this decision of going on the normal path that I was on, where I was just like not really feeling anything. I was always kind of content and people think I was happy or I was, I was kind of happy or diving into my emotions as deeply and, uh, and, and powerfully as possible. And that would come with everything that it comes with. And I, I took weeks over that decision, and eventually I decided I want to dig into my emotions as deep as possible. And that's that's a nice idea, but again, you need like you need like the the inception of like how would this even work, and like a complicated thing that you're talking about. And like, I figured, the, I figured you know, it out. Crying more, and... I don't know if it's really it's really the, the word to aim for. More joy, sure. Okay, I'll take more joy. Well, the thing the thing about crying is that you're just releasing energy. You know, pe people will often describe crying as cathartic as like a really positive experience. And, uh, you know, sometimes it could be a terrible one because something terrible has happened to you and you identify with that terribleness. But what's often happening is that you just have this build up and you just release and then you carry on with your day. Whereas what a lot of people do and what I was doing for a very large part of my life was not crying or at least not crying much at all. And then I would have all of these buildups of emotions that I wouldn't even feel because I was so disconnected from. And that would start to really impact my health, the, my my psychology and, and and all of these other things and uh, again it just it comes back to this is how we evolve we evolve to be in touch with our emotions we're evolved to to cry when we need to cry it's, you know it's uh it's a natural I, process I of being human what does that mean like so you could even say like there's some things that we evolve to do that aren't very good even like what like it, i mean uh we evolve to do i mean there's all kinds of bad habits in our evolution that like what? should be changed what do you mean like what like i mean like what the fact that people procrastinate <laughs> the fact that people have these issues in the first place that we're just talking about like the fact that people have all kinds of negative patterns all those are you know variations of evolution just because that they evolve doesn't mean that they're necessarily good and certainly the, the, necessarily those things those happening. things that you're talking about are like survival mechanisms so something deeply traumatic is not one why is this not one? If you cry, like people come come to your aid. Like, no, no, no. So you know what I mean. So, so these are all evolutionary processes that are better to have than not to have. That's what evolution decides. In at least when we were living in in uh, the caveman days, and so what would um, happen? Let's let's say, for instance, we uh, our tribe gets invaded by uh, a neighboring tribe, and we have we have to fight, and we you know we watch one of our good friends die in front of our eyes. Suddenly, we have a choice 
where you know we could feel our emotions and cry and break down but then uh, the tribe's still invading so we you know it's probably not the best choice and what happens over time is evolution is like okay the people who have this defense mechanism that disconnects their body from their mind so they're no longer experiencing the emotions that are happening within their body and no longer no longer embodying their emotions they're the people that can fight off the tribe they're the people that can and the, these are the evolutionary processes so it's not that these are bad so maybe maybe processes. i'm one of those people like you know I, I i don't mind getting into i don't mind conflict i don't mind drama you know what i mean it makes sense right i don't get too emotional in these kinds of things i'm a play high stakes poker hey but that, you know but that I mean? doesn't escape from the fact that you are intrinsically an emotional being that has this trauma and this disconnect from your emotions. And then that you would be in flow again, if you removed these, these barriers and defense mechanisms, and you would be able to be again, you'd be able to be in flow again, because there are, there are downsides that come with these defense mechanisms as well. Okay, cool. Like that, that can mean lots of things. Uh, I don't exactly disagree. It's just not convincing. Like, we're still going back to the same problems, basically. Um, like, and if you want, I have to say the same thing again. If you want to create change, you have to make it easy. Um, you know, and like, you have to make it like inception esque, unless it's like very, very compelling. Unless it's like literally a bunch of people like barging down your door. Yeah, that creates change. But you know, things are a bit more abstract. Need inception and need more like you know why is this this and that etc so i don't disagree with you like it makes sense to me but i also like can see other possibilities and whatever and i'm a busy guy and i don't see why i need to cry um <laughs> I, i'm happy i'm happy not crying i feel special not crying that much to be honest because i don't really cry out of pain like i maybe if like i lost a limb i might cry um i don't, I don't really cry out of pain much rare. Uh, um, so why don't we talk about, well, what's your plan for making the most positive impact? The way that I think there, 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 there are a couple of ways you can approach doing as much good in the world as possible. You can do the kind of like Elon Musk approach, which is make a ton of money and try and change the world through the intellect. Now, some people will champion that approach and you know, I, I, I give it so much commendability, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the fact that he's done various different programs that have really brought the world forward is incredible. However, the problem that he faces and has, has and is going to continue to face is that he hasn't done that deep spiritual work. And so a lot of the decisions that he's going to make, he's not going to be understanding his own emotions, he's not going to be understanding his own motivations. He's not going to be in flow and empathetic towards other people in, in ways that, that would be beneficial for him to be making these very, very grand decisions. Now you have on the other, on the other end of the scale, you have people like Buddha or people like Jesus that did so much spiritual work that people just flocked to them, that they were just like a light, you know, some of this, these historical people. Um, and they ended up doing an insane amount of good in the world as, as well. Now, I think in today's world, there are some people that are going to be doing the one and some people that are going to be doing the second one. And personally, I feel like my role is to be doing both, but not be, you know, I, I could go further down the spiritual path if I just did spiritual path, but I wouldn't be going down as far as the, the material. And I think my role in this, in, in this lifetime is to do as much spiritual work as I can, become the best version of myself as I can, so I can do the best 
so I can make the best decisions that I possibly can uh, for myself, at least the best that I can do to my capacity. And then also get stupidly rich, give out as much money as I can in the most efficient ways that I possibly can and try and make as much change in the world as I possibly can to bring people together and to bring joy to people's lives. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the way that I, I see that I see the game. Um, I pretty much agree with you. And I find it interesting that you compare the two. I have my own uh, suspicions. But uh, so I actually was originally for a long time on the idea of like, whatever the hell Elon Musk doing is ideal. Um, but I changed along the lines. I, I changed at some point. I realized, oh, no, it's not. Actually, I'm, I was incorrect. I, I would have, I was going to write a blog about this. How about, about how if someone came to me, and was like, dude, do you want to like become a robot and be like the best poker player and have like innocent power? I'm like, yeah, I do. Um, make me a cyborg or whatever it is. And then somewhere along the lines, I realized, oh, no, this is a bit misleading. Actually, it's actually a huge trap. In fact, uh, I think there's no like end to that uh, kind of game. It's that kind of game. Liv Bowery, you know, um, if you've talked with her, you probably like her stuff. She talks about this Moloch, Moloch trap of like basically you keep chasing, you know, the, the little bit of like pleasure or whatever. Um, and you keep chasing this like measurable thing and there's no end to that chase. Like you can think like, oh, the end's actually when you're like a robot. Now you have the superiority or blah, blah, blah. Like, no, it's not. Like then other problems uh, come up. And so I realized that, and on top of it, that, that my uh, own happiness had more to do with how I was looking at things. And as you said, uh, the emotional, um, innerness and I realized, oh, okay. So actually it matters more, um, one's inside more than, you know, the external side towards happiness. So I realized, okay, more like the, the paths of these, uh, spiritual giants seems to be accurate. Although I ended up coming to the conclusion that, um, like, I think I'll do a number of things in the material world as well. I mean, poker is material. For example, I kind of realized that, uh, w one thing I realized was that the person's soul is basically manifesting itself. Uh, I believe Rama, Ramana, what's his name? Ramana, um, uh, there's this guy who said you have to realize first that you're, that you're already enlightened, essentially. You're kind of just going on this path and that your soul is essentially manifesting. Um, and that, uh, a lot of your previous actions basically are indications of it. You just have to figure out a way to interpret it. Uh, and that is, you know, a view of sorts of what your soul is. Does it make sense? So I think that your path is going to be both in spiritual and material. I think that you've been gifted with a very powerful intellect. And if you were to be reifying your, in the way that you were describing your, your, you know, your soul's purpose, or if you were to crystallize your soul on earth, that would be through through jungle and jungle has the, the gift of a powerful intellect and and a lot of magnetism when it comes to like you know people uh looking up to you and things like that and that means that very likely that part of your path at least is going to be to do is getting a lot of people looking at you and then solving problems using your intellect so yeah that makes sense well those both of those are basically what i'm trying to do is a bit harder than i thought um but uh it comes to this idea of the community. I realized 
that what I think the world needs more of is more people that have decided, okay, I want to do something good and I want to not, and I want to be free from the constraints of modern society, which I realized that's what the universe provided us, us poker players. Like we have the ability to independently say we can do something good, which almost no one can. We can, we can independently decide, okay, this is what we want to do. And we're free when we do it. We had the choice to do this. Feels good. Feels good, man. Um, so that's why I'm creating this community. I essentially want, um, and in fact, I realized this myself, I felt, uh, quite a bit of compassion for all the people in the nine of fives. And that was my original goal is that the nine of five is like, it's kind of like a version of, uh, being shackled in a way. Like being in prison. Um, and so one of my original goals was actually to, uh, help free people from that. So that's a big reason of why I'm making this discord is that I think that I can free other people essentially, and they can do more good. Use, using what class? Using poker or using other things? Um, poker is one vehicle. I think poker is a good vehicle for the culture. I think the culture of poker is very healthy. For the most part, very healthy. There's not very much cheating on the whole. There's much uh, negative stigmatism against cheating. Um, and uh, people are pretty honest. Uh, people critically think... Um, and I think that people, if people who can be good and critically think, like that's a very powerful combination and be free. Yeah. Uh, is, I mean, that's the reason why I made this podcast is to, yeah, uh, garner more of it. That's, it's part of the grander vision. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, let, let's have, let's have a last topic. I'm getting a little, little bit, uh, a little bit All tired. Right. I, should, sure. I should eat something. Got too inspired and too riled up. You, you, you got it out of me. Yeah, you gotta gotta dance it out. Would you like to say? Yeah, would you like to say more of your own thoughts? I feel like I've been talking a little bit a lot, actually. No, no, it's perfect. A little, little lot. A little lot. Um, I I think maybe maybe specifically some, on a personal level, from me to you, um, I I'm really excited to see how you're gonna evolve. I'm really excited to see what happens when you find that that connection to your authentic self, that inner child, that that zest, that, that part of you that loves to cry and loves to laugh and loves to be in flow. Um, I know it's going to come, you know, you do you, you do whatever timing you want to do. It, I want to do it. Actually. I just don't know how to add it into my schedule, man. There's too much shit going on. That's my problem. It's all about, I making, think it, there's value in it. It's all about making the decision. Like if you make the decision to dedicate yourself towards being as emotionally Dude, in touch with yourself, no, it's not just can. all about the decision. It's decision plus what's going on yeah no shit that's what i'm saying but what, but what i'm saying is that when you make that decision all of your interactions and thoughts for the for however long will be based with that decision and so to to, to inform the logistical stuff as you're acting chaotically in the world you need you need some some guiding principles and if one of those guiding principles is to fully reify yourself to fully connect in with your you know your trueness of who you are and to get rid of those 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 uh, trauma reactions or, or or those psychological barriers that, that were created when you were younger, then that sure. will happen. However, it happens. It might not be through dancing now, or it might be in five years. It might be, but at least you'll have that to point you towards the the right the right direction.